Well, I don't know about you, but the seasons seem to be flying by, and it seems like just a couple of weeks ago it was Christmas, wasn't it? Um, but here we are already on the first day of March, and we are entering the season of Lent. And um, as we enter the season of Lent, we also enter a, a new sermon series. Um, but just backing up for a moment, of course, the season of Lent is the season on the church calendar that falls between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday. Um, it's a period of 40 days if you don't count the Sundays. Uh, and it's a season that Christians usually uh, use as a time of reflection and opportunity to think about our lives in Jesus Christ and the ways that perhaps we need to redirect our lives more fully towards Jesus Christ. And so we do that during the season of Lent. And uh, this season, as we do that, one of the ways we will do that is through the sermon series uh, that is titled, I Am. And um, you may remember um, that those uh, are, are statements that Jesus used in the Gospel of John to kind of describe himself. But the first place that we encounter the term I am is actually all the way back in Exodus. And you may remember that when uh, Moses was uh, traveling, he saw a bush that was not being consumed by fire and he went to investigate this, and as he investigated this, he encountered the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in this encounter, God began to reveal to Moses his plan to use Moses uh, to free the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. And in the midst of that conversation, then, uh, we come to Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, where Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And so from that point forward, when a Jew heard those ears, or heard those words, their ears really began to perk up. Because those words were a very direct reference to God. Now, in our world, we will use those words a lot to say, I am going to the grocery store, I'm going to go to bed now, I'm going to do this or that. But they wouldn't have used those words. I am was a very special and very particular reference to God. And so when they heard Jesus say those words, I am, their ears really paid attention to what was going on. And Jesus himself, when he was using those words, was beginning to introduce to them an important theological truth about himself. And as I said, many of those are, are found in the Gospel of John. And we're not going to look at all of them, um, but we're going to look at a few of them during the season of Lent. And uh, you see the words, I am the bread of life, on the, on the uh, screen today, which probably cues you in. That's where we're going to be today, I am the bread of life. But in the weeks that follow, we will be looking at when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, 
and I am the resurrection and the life. And that should take us up then to Palm Sunday and Easter. But we come today to I am the bread of life. And as we begin to think about what Jesus was saying when he said that, we think about bread. I was thinking about bread. When I was growing up, we had bread, but uh, it wasn't something that was a part of every meal, except for maybe toast at breakfast. And, you know, if we had a sandwich or something on a bun, there would be bread at that meal. But a typical meat, potatoes, vegetable meal didn't have bread served with it except when we had company or a special occasion. Then I got married. And then I discovered that, you know, you might not be able to say you've had a meal if bread was not served as part of that meal, uh, because bread became an important part of the meal. And it didn't matter if it was, it didn't have to be fancy. It could be crackers or a slice of sandwich bread. It didn't have to be a fancy yeast yeast bread, uh, home-baked roll. But, But bread became a part of the meal. I was thinking about that in Bible times. Bread was an essential part of their life. If you, if you pay attention and you notice any time a meal is mentioned in the Bible, bread is mentioned. They may kill the fatted calf, but they also mention that they're going to bake bread as well. You may remember that when uh, Jesus was teaching about prayer, he told about a story uh, where uh, a, a man had a guest that came in the middle of the night and he had no bread in his house and he went so far as to go and knock on his neighbor's door to borrow bread in the middle of the night because it was that important to have bread uh, to serve to a guest. So bread was a very important part of the food that they took. It was, it was life. It sustained them. And so today we're going to think about what it means that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Well, when we come to the Gospel of John, we see that one of the patterns that John used is he'll have a miracle of Jesus followed by a teaching. And it kind of shows us that Jesus was a really good contextual teacher, that he took what was going on around him as an opportunity uh, to teach about some truth about himself or about some aspect of the kingdom of God. And, And that is what we notice here. We're going to be camped out in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bible or you like to have it open, that's where we're going to be. Um, But the words will be on the screen as well. But as we open up the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, we see the first story that's recorded there is uh, one of the miracles of Jesus. And I lost my connection, Natalie, so if you can bring that up. Um, It's the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And we have heard that story a lot, but it's the story where Jesus is teaching uh, many people, and it's late in the day, and the disciples suggest that they be sent away to find some food, and Jesus says, no, you feed them. And, of course, all they have is a lunch that has bread and some fish, and from that one lunch, then the 5,000 plus are fed. Well, then the very next story is the story of uh, the miracle of Jesus walking on water. And um, After they had fed the 5,000 and they had departed, the disciples got into a boat um, and left that area and uh, crossed the Sea of, of Galilee. And Jesus withdrew to a quiet place to pray, and then he joined them later, a walking on the water. Of course, that was a miracle that the disciples saw. But we are also told 
that uh, the crowds that had been fed by the 5,000, or the 5,000 that had been fed by Jesus, they continue to search for Jesus, and they continue to, to um, want to follow him. And, and so they go looking for him, and, and they find him in Capernaum. But they're kind of mystified because they knew there was only one boat. They knew Jesus did not get in that boat with the disciples, but yet here he is with the disciples in Capernaum. But then they encounter Jesus there, and um, Jesus tells them that really the only reason that they are looking for him is because they had the, their fill of the bread that he um, had fed them. And then he tells them not to work for food that perishes, but for food that leads to eternal life, which he wants to give them. And then picking up at uh, John 6, verse 28, Jesus says, then, or, then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And so they asked him, well, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe in you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Well, we see here that as uh, Jesus continues to talk about the bread, they are now asking for a sign. What is a sign that we know that you're going to be the one to give us the bread? And Jesus is trying to tell them that the sign has already been provided. And if you look at these first two miracles, they are very reminiscent of the Exodus story. And we already see that they have connected to one of them and that they mentioned the manna that was provided uh, to the Israelites in the wilderness. But as we also think about the water, we remember that God led the Israelites through the Red Sea into freedom. Um, it wasn't walking on water, but the water was no longer a barrier for them to get where they needed to go. And so what Jesus is trying to demonstrate are these are the kinds of things that Israel scriptures say that God does, providing the manna, uh, getting them through the Red Sea, and the same God that was at work in the Exodus is now at work in Jesus as he has fed them um, in the remote place with the boys' lunch and as he has also walked on water. Well, then we come to verse uh, 35. And can you bring that up, Natalie? Jesus says, and he declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Can you go to the next? Thank you. 
But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Well, the crowd was looking for more bread, uh, the bread that we eat. But the bread that Jesus is telling them that he is offering is so much more than the bread that we eat at supper and need again for breakfast. Uh, Because Jesus offers relationship with Jesus Christ, with God, or Jesus offers relationship with God through himself. A relationship that lasts through our life, sustains us through this life, but continues past this life and into eternity. And that's what Jesus is trying to communicate. And and the crowd continues to want to know what they can do, but um, Jesus is telling them there isn't something they need to do except to believe in him. In other words, they need to accept who he is, that he is the Son of God, and accept what he has to offer. When we come to the Gospel of John and we find the word believe, it's always more than just accepting that something is true. We can accept that the world is round and it may affect us if we travel, but when we um, come to thinking about accepting who Jesus is, it's something that's not something that we say, well, Jesus is the Son of God. And, and he died for me, and I accept that. It's something that fundamentally changes who we are and how we walk as we go forward for the days of our life. As I was thinking about what that means, I was thinking about a song that was going through my head this week. And I don't know, does anybody else have a song that's generally some random song going through your head um, um, most of the time? Um, I, I do. Sometimes it's a secular song, sometimes it's a sacred song, sometimes it's a contemporary song, sometimes it's a song from a musical, and sometimes it's an old hymn. And in this particular case, it was an old hymn. It's one that we used to sing here uh, some time ago, and it is one that connects particularly to this scripture. Um, but you may remember, a break thou the bread of life, which the verses go, break thou the bread of life. Dear Lord, to me, as thou didst break the loaves beside the sea. Oops, sorry. Well, beyond the sacred page, I seek thee, Lord. My spirit pants for thee, O living word. And as I was thinking about especially that last line, my spirit pants for thee. I was thinking about how that kind of describes what it's like when we really have truly entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think, I think about it in terms of pants when I was thinking um, about taking our dog for a walk. And, 
In the summer when I am off, I like to go to Washington Park, uh, especially in the morning, and we walk. It's about a mile from our house, and when we get there, I take water and I offer um, the dog a drink, and she takes it. And we sit for a while, and then we head home. And I offer another drink before we leave, but she doesn't usually accept the second drink at that point in time. But on hot summer days, by the time we're leaving the park, it can be getting hot. And by the time we are about home, her tongue is hanging out of her mouth, and she is panting, and she is thirsty. And when she gets to the water bowl, she laps that water up really thirstily because it's something that she wants, and it's something that her body needs. I think about that in terms of when we enter a relationship with Jesus Christ, that that's really what should begin to happen to us, is that our spirit, our soul, longs and thirsts for, uh, for God's presence and for more intimacy with Jesus Christ. And it leads us into a place where it's not just reading the Bible in the morning and going on with our day, but during the day, our heart longs to return to the things that Jesus wants to say and teach us. It means that we may find ourselves pausing during the day simply to pray a prayer of thanks. You know, thank you for this thing that just happened. Or Sometimes it's because, man, I should not have said that. God, will you please forgive me? Sometimes it's in, man, I've got myself in a mess this time. Can you please help me get out of it? And sometimes... It's simply opening up space in our life to listen what God is saying to us. But as we uh, continue in our walk, that desire gets deeper and deeper. And as we do that, we naturally find that we don't have to do things to get what God gives us. That what we naturally want to do, what we naturally do is to love the things that God loves and uh, to forgive as God forgives. And to do the things that Jesus would do, and our will becomes more and more what the will of Jesus Christ is for us. And I think as that happens, what we begin to do is something um, that I call life-giving. When Josh and I are together, we sometimes refer to life-giving as uh, those moments when we have experienced something that has given us encouragement or hope. And sometimes it's something that someone did uh, that they saw needed to be done and just did it without, uh, without having to tell somebody to do it. And sometimes it's conversations or activities that have taken place that engage the mission of the church. Um, but I think that's what I would describe it looks like when we are uh, feeding on and consuming uh, the bread of life, the things we do more and more life-giving because we are connected to the giver of life. And sometimes it looks like things like this. If you uh, noticed your insert in the bulletin and pews in the envelope, you might notice that we are in the month of March and we are receiving an offering for the America for Christ offering. If you read the insert today, you will see that that offering is supporting ministries uh, that take care of children 
who live in poverty. That's one of the things um, that the, that offering resources. And so when you give to that offering, you are giving life. To a child who lives in poverty, one you will probably never know, um, one that will never know um, that you were part of the gift that gave them life. Here as a church, there's any number of hands-on ways that happens. If you're here on a Wednesday, there's people who gather to prepare a meal, and I would say half to two-thirds of those meals leave this church and go to other places to feed those who are vulnerable. Uh, there's uh, programs that the, the Compass program, we, we partner with uh, Graham Elementary School uh, with that. And I don't think we have any volunteers with that program right now, but we still provide um, resources to feed the children that are there. And, of course, we talk about the library quite a bit. But, you know, it isn't just the big things that give life. Sometimes it's the incredibly small things. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, many of you took a name of a teacher uh, of either Graham Elementary School or a staff member there or of Children's House, and you wrote them a note of encouragement. And most of the time when you do that, you don't ever know what effect that note had. But in this particular case, I can tell you a story of one of those notes. And one of those notes was written to one of our teachers for our children's house daycare. And she'd been having a tough week, and she was in a particularly tough moment when she found that note and read it. And she was moved to tears to know that somebody cared for her cared enough to write a note to tell her so. It was a life-giving moment for her. Well, my encouragement to you this week is to reflect on the life of Jesus Christ as the bread of life and think about how deeply is your life embedded that in that? How much is Jesus Christ the source of your life, the source of your strength, the source of your hope uh, throughout the hours of your day. During the season of Lent, uh, sometimes people use this as an opportunity to either give up something as a sense of uh, experiencing the suffering of Jesus Christ, and sometimes they use it as an opportunity to take on a practice to kind of help them identify more deeply um, in their walk with Christ. And I don't know if any of you are planning on doing that uh, this season, or have begun, but if you haven't, um, maybe you want to start. And, and one of the things perhaps you could do is some practice that will draw your attention back to Jesus Christ sometime during the day. It might be, you know, opening up some time in the evening to read some scripture and say a prayer and just have a little time of worship. Or maybe it's you set an alarm or just try to say, at this point in time of the day, I'm going to stop and notice what's going on around me and give thanks for the ways that God is at work. Or maybe you will be aware of the broken places in this world, and there's plenty of them. And, and just take that time to pray for some brokenness in the, in the world and pray for healing and, and the ways that perhaps God uh, would use you to do that. Or maybe you just say, you know, during Lent, I'm going to write a note of encouragement to somebody every day. The point is not exactly what you do, but that there is some way that you are uh, continuing to develop your intimacy and your love um, 
for Jesus Christ in this season. Well, the best part, I think, of this message of Jesus being the bread of life is, is chapter, um, is verse 40 again. And Natalie, if you can bring that slide up. Because Jesus says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. That's our reminder that, you know, when we have reached the end of our days here on earth, our, our, our relationship with Jesus Christ does not end. It only gets so much better because we will walk with him into eternity and live with him in a place where we won't have the challenges that we have in our days now. We will only experience the fullness of God's presence, the fullness of God's love, uh, the fullness of everything that is good and perfect. And that is the true gift of the bread of life. Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord, we give you our great thanks this day that you are the bread of life, that you are the source of everything we need, of everything that is good, that everything that sustains us as we walk through our days on this earth. And we recognize that some of those days are easy and, and some of those days are not, but you are in the midst of all of them, and we give you our thanks. As we respond to that, may we just grow closer to you, moment by moment, that our hearts may be more inclined to seek you out, to listen to you, and experience the power of your love for us. And now, Lord, as we come to the Lord's Supper table, we come as an opportunity to give thanks again for the bread of life as we understand in deeper ways what that really means as we eat the bread, as we drink the cup, as we understand the gift of life to us. And as we do that, Lord, we pray that you will listen to the ways that we need to let go of that which we have not walked in your way this week. And so for a moment, Lord, we will take to confess to you and to leave with you those things that need to be left in your care. Lord, you have promised that as we confess our sins, you will forgive us, and we thank you for the great grace with which we receive that. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>